Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and I'm glad to be here this morning with you and your Bibles. And wherever you are, I pray that you'd uh, get up and get your Bible, pencil and paper, follow along with us, learn the Word of God today. You can't live by faith unless you're hearing God's Word. Faith doesn't just happen. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And that always in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified for it to be legitimate. Legitimate faith God will honor. This is our wow, our 50th session uh, here on the 20th of October 2017. We started last year, October the 7th, and so <coughs> it looks like this Ephesians teaching is going to be like one year long if we pull it out two more weeks, and I don't think we will. We might get very close today. Uh, and probably for sure end it next week, maybe. So 52 weeks in a year. So we didn't really mean to go this far, but uh, this long. But you know what? Uh, it's been good, and I'm thankful. So today we'll be starting in, of course, chapter 6. And when we start, we'll start in verse 18 this morning. So I just want to remind you, if you hadn't got your copy of All God's Works Are Done in Truth yet, $15 gets you this copy. I promise you it'll bless you. It'll bring uh, much clarity <coughs> excuse me, to the Scriptures. <clears throat> and that's what we need. We need to be able to understand the Word of God because the more we understand it, the more we'll cry out to understand more. There's no end to the revelation uh, of Jesus Christ and the Word of God for our lives. And I'm, I'm just thankful to the Lord for uh, all He's shown me, all He's done for me, all that He means to me. And uh, it's just an everyday thing with Jesus. It's not Sunday morning. It's not Wednesday night. It's an everyday, all day a long relationship with Jesus Christ. And so before we get into the Word this morning, uh, let's just ask the Lord to bless us with a great revelation of who He is today. Amen. Lord, we love You. Uh, we thank You this morning for allowing us to be here to dig into Your Word, to, uh, Lord, to understand You more. You told the prophet Jeremiah, if any man's going to boast, let him boast in that he knows You and understands You. And, and then your, your servant, the Apostle Paul, came along and said he doesn't boast in anything but the cross. So I know, therefore, Lord, that uh, the knowledge of who you are and understanding you comes through only our understanding of what really happened on the cross. So I pray today that your word would come forth and, and shed that light in our hearts, that light that Jesus claimed to be. We ask you for a revelation of him today, and we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, it's been a great teaching, and before we get in too far this morning, I want to remind us what chapter 1, verse 1 says. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and the reason he wrote that is because uh, there was much uh, attack on Paul in his day. Just imagine, you weren't one of the twelve walking with Jesus, and then after Jesus is crucified, buried, resurrected, then here comes Paul having uh, uh, claimed to have all this revelation. And man, can you imagine what people were saying behind him or following him saying, you know what, he's not really an apostle. He's not even one of the twelve. He, 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 he wasn't even one of the people that walked with Christ. He, you know, he wasn't, he, matter of fact, he held, he held the cloaks of people to stone Stephen, who was you know, a follower of Christ. And so Paul, he's having to defend 
here's position, his authority here. That's why he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. He says, look, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. And and my Schofield Study Bible, and I don't know about all these versions, but my Schofield Study Bible says that wasn't really in the... Uh, uh, the the popular, the most, uh, whatever they call it. Let me see how I can. Uh, uh, to the Ephesians are not in the best manuscripts. As sometimes you'll see that in your in your study Bibles. But what is there is to the faithful in Christ Jesus, and that's us. We are the faithful in Christ Jesus. We are saved. We love the Lord. We want to learn more how to please Him. We want to we want to spend our days pleasing Him instead of just pleasing our flesh. And so he wrote that to us, not knowing that we... I don't believe Paul knew that these words he would write would be considered by, uh, you know, God, the Holy Spirit, to, to be the eternal Word of God written in the canonized Bible, the Scriptures put together. But God intended on what Paul wrote to get into the heart of every man, woman, and child that would ever live. And Peter later would write that, what Paul wrote may be hard to understand, but he claimed it to be Scripture. Peter, who walked with Christ, claimed and wrote it that what Paul wrote was Scripture. And so, you know, I like to remind us that the Bible wasn't just for people who was literally written to that day. It's to us. It's to all the children of God. And Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians from prison. Don't forget that. Most folk got Bibles in the luxury of their houses, man. They got it laid on the coffee table, the fireplace, the, the nightstand, the dash of the car, and they never open it up. Paul is focused on Jesus when he's thrown in prison. M- man, most Christians get a little criticized. They won't go to church no more. <laughs> Our preacher just didn't look at me right. He didn't hug my neck. Paul's locked up in prison. He's still on the ma- on a move. He's still, man, moving. He's still being used by the Lord. No matter what his situation was, he's still being used by the Lord because his desire was to serve God. Not if. Not if. If your desire is to serve God, it doesn't matter what happens to you, you're going to serve God right through it. Most Christianity today is based on, uh, well, I'll serve God as long as. You know, and I'll go to church here as long as. You know, and that, we got these predicaments. Here's what the cross does. The cross removes all that. The cross, if your faith is in the cross, that means your faith is the same faith that Jesus had that took him to the cross, that no matter, even though they were crucifying him, he still endured the cross. That's the faith God honors. And if our faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary, the Holy Spirit is going to empower us to love, not when we're loved, to love even when we're hated. Because that's faith works by love. If it's not working by love, it's not faith anyway. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. If it's not working by love, it's not faith anyway. It's what we might call faith, but it ain't faith. So, you know, true faith is that works by love, faith in the cross, uh, it's not 
Well, I'll do this if. No, Paul was in jail and I'm still serving God. He stoned and left for dead. I'm still serving God. How many of you remember that? Paul stoned, drug out of town, stoned, left for dead, got back up the next day, went back into the same town. Man, if, if the preacher looks at us wrong, bless God, we'll get out of church and won't go back for 10 years. And Paul, he stoned and left for dead, gets back up the next day, goes back into town, said, I wasn't through with my message. And we look at Paul like this divine, he must have been divine. No, he, man, he was nothing to look at, probably uglier than all us. Little short guy, eye problems, literally. And I mean, uh, but there's one thing he's, he's got that we had that will enable us to do what he did, and that's the Spirit of God. He don't have a different spirit than you got. He got the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is God, and God don't give you a piece of Him and you a different piece. He is the Spirit of God. Whoever gets the Spirit of God has the same Spirit of God that David had that slew Goliath, that, that, Mo, that Moses opened. the. It's the same Spirit of God we've all got. Ain't nobody got a greater portion of God. If you've got the Spirit of God, then that means you can live for God in spite of who chooses not to. So... Ephesians chapter 6, I'm not going back and reading uh, verses 12 through 17. We covered some of that last week, and you'll need to go back and listen to, the, to the, these uh, broadcasts. And I, I think for the last several months, I've been uploading these to YouTube, so you can go back uh, and listen to them So on my YouTube page, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. But verse 18, he goes on, he says, Praying always... <clears throat> with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Now that's quite a lot said in that verse, and it'll be a miracle if we get through it today. But I want to talk about this verse 18 for a little bit today because he, he, he talks about now not only having all these pieces of armor he's wearing as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and each piece of armor, as we've explained so well the last couple of weeks, points to something Jesus died for us to be able to have at Calvary. And it's not getting up and pretending you're putting on the helmet and the breastplate and the shoes and in your mind. No, it's your simple faith like a child that Jesus died for me. I died with him. I was buried with him. And now I live as a resurrected man or a woman of God right here in this body. And the life I live now, though, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, but after all the armor is listed and, and, and the benefits of the armor is spoken of, he says, praying always. And, and I want to say that praying always doesn't necessarily mean that you're constantly every second of the day mouthing something with your lips to heaven. Prayer is, a, is, a, is communion. So at all times you're in communion with the Lord. I mean, I'm conscientious of the Lord, uh, even at a football game, at a basketball game, on my job, when I had a job. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I mean, you, you think about the Lord nonstop. And the more mature you get, the more that happens. You, the less time you have for the things that have uh, just wasted your years. I, and, I, and I mean wasted. There are good things. Even good things can waste your time. 
Uh, I'm, I'm talking about TV can be a good thing. Family can be a good thing. But if those things are taking time away, if they're consuming your thoughts instead of the Lord consuming your thoughts, then, then that things are out of order and you need to reprioritize. But you can't just hear me today and go do that. It'll take a move of God in your life to do that. It'll take conviction of the Holy Spirit. And believe me, it, he don't just pick somebody to convict. No, he, he convicts those who he's after and who is really after him but just didn't, don't know how to make it happen. You know what I mean? Uh, if you love the Lord, you say, okay, I love the Lord. Well, if you mean that, he's going to show up and he's going to begin to try to prioritize your life and get things in order. And you're going to find yourselves being more thankful now than ever before. I mean, you're going to be thanking the Lord all the time until sometimes your flesh is going to say, now you're just wasting time thanking the Lord. That's just way too much. <laughs> Curtis, you have spent half your day today thinking about nothing but these sick people that you're praying for. You need to think about your family. You need to think about, you need, you know, and you know, when I, when I have thoughts like that, I'm like, ooh, that, that ain't God saying that. So I just pray, Lord, I'm just going to keep praying for Sister Pam. I'm going to keep praying for Kimberly. I'm going to keep praying for everybody I know uh, just all day long. Lord, and I ain't got to get out on my knees and say, oh, God. I mean, it's just praying at all times. Listen, if that, we couldn't do nothing if that's what praying all time was about. But God don't intend that. He intends on us going about our, taking care of our families, working, take care of our families, doing ministerial things, uh, whatever we need to do. But at all times, our minds and our hearts are to be focused on the Lord. At all times. Somebody might say, well, that's too much. I, I can't. There is no such thing as too much. And we're, we're so deceived and so far off track and so much about ourselves self-centered man we don't even know it but we're so self-centered and prideful and selfish and 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 conceited we'd never admit it oh no we'd never admit it but we are because when God asks us for a little bit more it might take three years to finally get to that point where we you know somebody told me recently God's trying to get them to do something and he said and he admitted he said I've been fighting God pushing God away and we do that we don't just go around telling people we do that, but we do that. God's trying to add this to my life. He's, he's trying to add a Bible study to my life. He's trying to take this that I'm doing that's not right away. And we fight God, we push, we make excuses, and we wrestle. It ain't the devil we're wrestling with, it's God. Amen. But he loves us. And don't forget, every time you have an experience of victory in your life, it's going to be because God, once again, has experienced a victory over you. Mm. Amen. So when he says praying always, that's what he means. Praying always. It's an, it's an attitude of prayer. And then he says with all prayer. And I want to break some of these words down uh, because praying always is what I've already said, a life of communion with the Lord. We don't, I mean, most Christians, they got a Sunday thing and some got a Wednesday night thing. And, 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 and man, that's it. A guy told me one time at work, I was sharing the word at work, and he, he, he just stood there and he said, well, what do you think this is, man, Sunday school? In other words, be quiet. And I said, no, man, this ain't Sunday school. This is Tuesday school. At all times, the word of God. So it's an attitude. It's a life of communion with the Lord. And watching means a looking for what we're requesting from our Heavenly Father. The Lord told me something about a year ago. He said, don't bother asking if you can't look for what you're asking. Don't bother asking what the Lord told me. Don't bother asking me for something if you're not going to have faith to look for it after you ask, to believe. 
And the Bible in the New Testament teaches that if you believe your Father in heaven hears you, and you believe you have what you're asking for, then it's going to happen. Jesus said, if you ask Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Prayer is a very important part of your life. It's not your victory. The cross is your victory. But prayer is communion. Your constant communion. You know, if I came home from work every day and Robin was on one end of the house, my wife and I just went to the other end, and then we didn't see each other but maybe five minutes here and there, man, that ain't no communion. And we wouldn't go for that. Well, I, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 7 that we're married, 7, that we're married to Jesus. Well, it's time to be in communion with Him. And really, the communion He's called us to is nonstop. Always in communion, always thinking about Him. Always, I'm in a basketball game, football game, the referee makes a bad call. That is, in my opinion. And man, my flesh rises up, and I want to give Him a piece of my mind. Man, I want to stand up and say, Give me an eye! Give me another eye. <laughs> and I give him to the umpire because he's blind. But the Lord reminds me sitting right there, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You know, if you, the closer you get to the Lord, the more he's going to remind you what you're doing, Curtis, is irrelevant. 20 minutes, you'll be out of here and it won't have been a hill of beans. This movie you're wanting to watch, after you watch it what, will it, what will it have meant for your life? What will it have done for you? Was I in it? Was I a part of it? Because let me tell you something. If the Lord's not in it, it's a waste of time, especially if it's a foul. It, that, that God, Jesus is with me at all times. Now, we like to quote that. Lord, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. That's exactly right, even while I'm sitting there watching that, whatever that is. Now, we like to use that scripture when we're sick or going through a hard time, but even when we're not sick, not going through a hard time, that scripture is relevant for my life. He's always there. But he says, praying always and watching with all perseverance, which means a diligent persistence, persevering in prayer. Every day we pray for Pam, Kimberly, Tammy, Andrea. Every day, you know, the devil and my flesh team up and they'll say, you might as well quit praying for them. You're wasting your time. Find something else to do. Find something else to pray for. But the Word of God says, those are fleshly thoughts that come. The Word of God says, pray at all times. Don't quit. And some people would ask, well, why, why don't God just do it? Why, why does he want us just to live in constant prayer? Isn't that begging? No, that's faith. If God already knows what we need, why do we have to ask? Well, number one, it shows that we're trusting God. We're, we're also proving that if I get this, whatever it is I'm praying for, or I see the result of it, that means God heard my prayer and he did it. It shows my relationship with him. He's my heavenly father, and I trusted him for this. I'm not going to go make it happen. I can't, but I know he can. So this is a diligent persistence. This is the Bible says, what is it, uh, Proverbs chapter 4? Let me see if I can, or maybe it's Proverbs chapter 24. Let me see if I can find this. The uh, Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Is that Proverbs 24? I ain't going to find it this morning. Uh, 
But the Bible says, you, you'll recognize it, it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of your heart. Here it is, uh, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart, you can't keep nobody else's. Keep your heart with all, there's that word again, diligence. That means at all times, I'm watching my heart. I'm, I'm not, not, not any longer going to wake up five years down the road and have to wonder, how did I get divorced? How did I lose all this? How, how am I bankrupt? How, how am I out here on drugs? Why, man, you know, because now I, I have the Spirit of God who convicts me. I know the Word of God. I'm learning the Word of God. And now when something's not right, I know right then I can, I can keep my heart. That means toward the Lord. I, I can stay in that communion with the Lord. I can keep letting Him speak into my life and me not push Him away. If you push the Lord away in one area, there's other areas that He needs to deal with also that He's not going to be able to. He deals with one thing at a time. Because we can't handle more than that. Somebody said amen. So it's a diligence here he's talking about. Praying always and watching with all perseverance. He says praying always with all prayer. And that word prayer, the first word praying is different from the second word prayer. The first word praying, it really speaks of worship. So we're talking about a heart toward God at all times. And in everything, you know, on the canned food aisle in Walmart, I don't care where we're at, we're waiting to, to uh, we're in a place of worship. Our minds are consumed with the Lord. And, and I know some Christians hear this and they're like, my Lord, man, you, you just, you know, you're talking about preacher stuff. No, I'm talking about Christianity. Christianity is the most radical thing on the planet. It's just not lived that way by most people because they've been denied the truth for so long by preachers who are full of deceit and they don't tell the truth and they're after money and fame and a full church and all this stuff. But true Christianity, man, is more radical than Islam, more radical than anything. But it's a different kind of radical. It's a humble, a, a, a heart of worship with the Lord at all times. We're not going to go kill somebody because they don't become a Christian. But we are going to keep praying for them and keep praying for them. And we're not going to stop praying for somebody who's out here molesting children. Well, bless God, I ain't praying for him no more. No, God loves the perverts. God loves the drug addicts. Jesus died for all. And so we're to pray. And he says praying, and that first word means when you look it up today, it, it, it talks about worship. And it's, it's, a, it's a heart of worship, a heart of communion in worship to God, and always with all prayer. And the second word, prayer, with all prayer, it, it also means worship, but with an implication, an implication of speaking to God, communion with God, literally, verbally. You're talking to the Lord from the heart. And so here we see something that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit through Paul, rather, is trying to get us to see that we're to constantly have a heart of worship and constantly be in communion with the Lord. How many of you know the word meditate? When you talk about meditate, I'm going in here to meditate on the word, and meditation is a good thing as long as you don't put in your faith in that to learn Scripture, to memorize Scripture, to meditate in the Word. But along with the word meditate, meditate also means to speak the Word of God. 
to quote the scripture. There ain't nothing wrong with that as long as you're not thinking that your power is coming from you quoting it. Then your faith is in you speaking it, and that's called the demonic word of faith movement today by Ken Copeland and Andrew Womack and a thousand others out there who now their faith is in the words they speak instead of the cross. And it's easy to be move, move your faith from what Christ did to what you're now doing because it looks and feels so spiritual. And the devil's all up in all that, and he'll give you a tingle feeling to make you think it's legitimate, but it's not. So we're praying always with all prayer. means we're constantly in communion. We're worshiping the Lord in speaking to Him and supplication, which means petition and request. You know, there's no end to, to our request to the Lord because we're a very needy people. Lord, bless my marriage, bless my children, bless my health. Lord, that man looks like he needs help. Bless him. The, the, most of the world is lost. Most of the church, almost all the church is backslidden and doesn't even know the Word of God in truth. And they're just living a religious a lie, most of them, not being ugly this morning. I'm just telling you where the cross is not the focus, there can't be anything but religion there. And so... We, we, there, there is never a time when you won't have something to pray for. That's why I don't understand. When, you know, and, I, and I used to be this way, so I speak from experience. I'd, I'd go pray and I'd be done in 10 minutes. But, you know, and then next week I'd, I'd be done in 15 minutes. And the next week I'm like, I'm like well, th this has lasted way too long now. I got some things I want to watch on TV. I got some things I want to go outside and do. And before you know it, man... You just, you're just praying and, and, you know, there's no such thing as too much. I mean, you've got to go to work. And you've got to spend time with your family. And you've got to go to church. And you've got, you, you know, you don't have to, but you get to do all these things. And so your life turns into a, a lifestyle of communion and prayer and worship to God. A lot of Christians, they don't really worship God until they show up at church on Sunday. Man, I, when I worked out there with... Brother Anthony, I'd, I'd, I'd step out on the porch several times a day. Man, I'd just step out there and I'd just say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For, I, I mean, I can't even walk out my back door at home and see all that beauty out there and just say, Thank you, Lord. I stepped out there a couple of days ago and I just stood there and I said, Lord, how could you just keep making us, allowing us to see all this beautiful creation of yours? Yeah. All these thousands of years you've had us here and just rebellion against you, sin, iniquity, idolatry, wickedness, and you just keep putting up with us. What a love is that? Well, he just keeps putting up with it, you know, because he just wants everybody to be saved. That, that's the only reason that he hadn't come back for us yet because he's still trying to save more people. That's a great love to have all this wickedness going on. And it is rampant. I'm telling you what, we sit in here with good Christian people this morning. We go to church with good Christian people. And every once in a while there's a, a handful on our jobs. But let me tell you something, most of the world is wicked. Most of the people you'd walk by on the sidewalk during the daylight, if the electricity went out, they'd knock you in the head. If it was dark and still, you'll purse. You better hear me. We live in a wicked generation, a wicked society. All it takes is electricity going out for horrible things to go start happening. Lights came. Well, they can't see who I am, and they forget God sees at all times. So there's never a time that we don't live in communion with the Lord. There shouldn't be a time. 
I know we get carried off in the flesh sometimes. We get angry, we get in arguments, and, and these things happen, but we can repent and come right back, not after we go beat ourselves up for about three hours. I remember recently Andrew did something and at school got into a little uh, uh, spat with another kid, and, and man, he just, you know, he, 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 he pushed the kid. And, uh, man, he was at home laying on his bed, and he was just moping and groping about it, you know. And after about two hours, I went back here and I said, Andrew, it's good that you feel bad about what you did. That's Holy Spirit conviction. But if you think laying in here and wallowing around about it is going to get you out of it, you're wrong. And God ain't pleased with you groping and wallowing around about it. He wants you just to take it to Calvary. He'll see whether you're really sorry or not in your heart. He knows you are. And then get up and move on, brother. You know, we do that, though. We'll go back there and mope and grope. And it's so subtle and so deceitful. There's that word again. So deceitful. We'll, we won't say it or we won't even know it up here. But back here it's happening. We think God's really honoring us moping and groping and beating our wallowing in it. I got to do this for God to really say I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and we should be sorry and broken over sin. And we will be if we love God. But to go back there for three hours, three days, three weeks, three years, 30 years, you ain't getting nothing from God. God's very displeased with that because you've moved your faith from what Jesus did that will bring you back into a place with communion. You moved your faith from the cross of Christ to you groping and moping and thinking this is what you've got to do. It's like people who use foul language to show people. Have to, they think they have to do that to let them know they're serious. Man, if you were a supervisor, you can fire somebody with that cussing. You're fired. So, praying always with all prayer and supplication. That word means petition, request, in the Spirit. That means with your faith in the cross. That means with your faith in the cross because if you're walking after the Spirit, that means you're being led of the Spirit and the Spirit can't lead you unless your faith is in the cross. I'm not going to get into that and teach that, but it's very biblical. Those of you that know me know I preach it all the time. The Spirit of God cannot lead you unless He leads you in the path of righteousness and righteousness is only revealed as we uh, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to teach us truth. Romans 12, 17, write it down, take a note, look at it later. We talk about it all the time. Righteousness is only revealed through the truth, and the Holy Spirit only reveals truth. And as He reveals truth, as we follow truth, that means we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means when we're walking after the Spirit. So, and watching, there's that word, watching. Thereunto, with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Watching thereunto with all persistency and request, petition for all saints. That means there's never an end to me praying for people. I don't know a thing going on in the Delarte's life right now, but I pray for them all the time. You know why? Even though I don't know there's anything going on in their life, I know because they're breathing Something's going on in their life. 
and mine and yours and everybody's. We've all got something going on. We need a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that. We need to be a little more mature. I'm talking about every single one of us. So I, I pray for them. I pray for all of Crossway Church. I, I pray for all my Facebook friends. No, not by name because I don't know them all. But I say, Lord, everybody on Facebook that's attached to me, bless them. Give them Jesus today. Open their eyes. Let them see more clearly the truth of God's Word. Because we can't just, when it comes to pray, and if you think you're going to sit there and call everybody's name out, you ain't going to eat, you're not going to do nothing. So, but because it says all saints. You know what that means? Lord, help all your children. Because you, do you know a hundred saints? If you do, you can't stand up and tell them, right, and tell me their names right now. And you know there's millions so you see what I'm trying to make a point here. We're, to, we're told to pray for all saints. So that means we're, Lord, we're constantly, Lord, bless your church. Lord, deliver your church. Lord, mature your church. Help, help us, Lord, to grow. All your people, those in persecution all over the world, Lord, I pray that you'd give them grace and more grace, that you'd teach them how to walk in humility so that they could experience the grace of God. I, you know, constantly in prayer. We have prayer here at Crossway Church on Monday nights from 7 to 8, and we, we pray and we come together and we talk for a few minutes, 15 minutes, then we break away and pray, then we come back at 20 to 8 and we all make a circle and we pray together. That's every Monday night. And we pray for the church. We pray for the lost world. We pray for the the the. the, the White House, our leadership, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, uh, and, and, and we pray for our ministry. We pray for our families, our children, our marriages, our, every, everything that the Lord can lay on our heart up until 8 o'clock, we pray for. And I ask the Lord, Lord, lay on our heart tonight what it is we need to ask for. Put in our hearts what it is we need to ask for. And we have to quit at 8 because, listen, you can pray the rest of your life. There's no end to what we need to see God do. There, in my life alone, there's no end to what I need to see God do. And when people hear that, they're like, well, my Lord, what you got that much wrong with you? Man, you ain't got a clue. And when you get closer to the Lord, who is the light, you're going to see more flaws in you. People, people all the time say, I just can't believe, you know, I know that I'm, I'm learning the truth and I just can't believe I got all this wrong with me. I can't believe it. Well, listen, the closer you get to Jesus... The more you're going, flaws you're going to see. You can hold a ball out here, man. It look like a perfectly round ball, no flaws in it. But when you put that thing under a microscope, you're like, oh my goodness. Look at all the dents in that thing. It's like, it's like when you, you know, five foot from a mirror, you look at it and say, okay, I ain't half bad. I, I'm good enough to go to Walmart now. I'm good enough to go to church. Well, Lord, some people, you know, they just get up and go to Walmart. But I'm good enough to go to church. I'm presentable. But then when you get that times 20 mirror or whatever it is, and you hold it up there, and you're like, ah, who's that guy? You ever seen one of them mirrors? I'll never forget the first time I saw one down there at Bed Bath & Beyond. It was about head high on the shelf, and I just was walking by, and I, I, and I leaned, leaned up to that thing, and I went, oh, my goodness, I'm a messed up individual. I said, do, people, do you see the, me the way that thing does? But the closer we get to the Lord, so you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad. Because let me tell you something, you might as well get used to it. We're so imperfect. We're so flawed. We don't realize how far into sin and away from God and pitiful we fell in the Garden of Eden. We went from perfection 
to, we went, well, Brother Swagger says it this way, we went from total and perfect God consciousness and we fell into self-consciousness. All we're about now is me, myself, and I. We're selfish people, very selfish people. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more is going to be revealed. And he'll deal with one thing. And, he'll, and he, if you trust him, he'll give you victory over that. And it won't be much later, he'll be revealing something else that needs to be changed. And it's because we're a flawed people. We're not here to condemn each other. We're here to pray for each other. And our prayer is that they'd see Christ and what he did at Calvary more clearly because only through that revelation are they going to begin to trust God and, and let the Lord break off of them and add to them the things that need to be changed. Amen. So it's, it's for all saints. It's request for all saints. Now that'll keep you busy right there. Okay, so... Christians all the time, well, what's the will of God for me? Well, get involved in this right here, and you won't have time to think about nothing else. If you'll just get involved in prayer and worship the Lord all day, every day, just thank Him for how much He loves you and what He's done for you through His Son. Thank, thank Him for bringing you out of, of places that your family's still bound in darkness in. When you, man, I sit sometimes and I wonder, Lord, how could I understand what I understand? How could you be teaching me and bringing me out of where you brought me and my family still stuck in a place that's darkness and if they don't change, they won't make heaven and, and I'm so thankful I'm overwhelmed. Now, you got to be careful because the enemy will come and tell you, listen, if it was real, he'd bring all of them out. That's not true. He can't save anybody unless they come to Christ and what he did at the cross. And he can't mature anybody unless they keep their faith in Christ and what he did at the cross. So there's no end to thanking God. Thank you that I'm healthy. Thank you. If, if I've got something wrong with me, thank you, Lord, that you're going to heal me. Thank you that you're giving me strength to make it anyway. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my children. There's no end. If you, the Bible says that everything God's done for us cannot be counted. But we can spend our lives each day thanking God at all times. And you know what? If you're drawing closer to God, you're going to become more thankful. You're going to become a worshiper. Now, I'm not talking about in church. I'm talking about that's going to happen too. But I'm talking about your life. Worship, really, you've heard it said before. Worship is who you are. Praise is what you do. And so that's a reality. He says, and, and this is a diligence, this is a persistence, this is a, I'm not quitting, I'm not stopping, I have a bad day, guess what? Okay, everybody does, I'm going to keep on praying, I'm going to keep on worshiping the Lord. Everybody goes through, you know, the devil comes along and says, nobody's got it as bad as you do. Yeah. Or your flesh wants to whine around, oh, I should have known. You know those whiny buckets, the big lip club, I call them. There was a woman in our old church that we used to get up and have meet and greet, and she'd just sit there. She wouldn't get up. She'd just sit there. And her name was Sharon. And uh, I'd go over to her every time, and I'd say, Hello there, you sweet rose of Sharon. <laughs> you just stop that. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to help her, you know, trying to get her out of that, that prideful attitude. That's all it is. That's all. When you're whining and, and just whining, that, that you're all about you. I'm just whining. I'm having a bad day. I'm, and really, you're saying, I'm not getting my way. <laughs> not saying it up here, not thinking it up here, but back here. How many of you know you think back here, too? Yeah, you think back here. You're watching a movie. You see a snicker bar. You go, all of a sudden, you're in the kitchen getting you something to eat. It's called subliminal. 
You not never think about it up here. You don't say nothing, but back here you saw it, and there you off in there to make some macaroni because you saw a snicker bar. <laughs> and verse 19 says this, And for me, don't forget to pray for me. Don't forget to pray for me, Paul says. Not just all the saints. I'm a saint. But don't forget to pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, last night when I was looking at this particular scripture, I was thinking, wow, what is this to be being prayed by Paul while he's locked up in prison? There must have been people in jail he needed, the, but Paul's still asking for the boldness. He's still asking uh, for them to pray for him that he might have utterance to open his mouth. Look at boldly. Some folks just don't like that word boldly. We ought to just put our hands on our old pot bellies and we ought to just, uh, uh, you know, just act like the, 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 the typical whatever, religious dude, and we ought to just talk with a monotone. No, listen, we have boldness through the blood, Hebrews teaches. Boldness to enter the throne room of God to get grace and help in our time of need. But Paul here shows us what we ought to all be praying for. Utterance, an opportunity to speak, and we'll see it in just a minute, but boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul's locked up in prison. He's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he's asking them, don't forget to pray for me. So this really tells me something, that prayer is very important. Prayer is very important. Peter wrote this, that if men don't treat their wives right, it will hinder their prayers. Now that's a powerful statement. And it's been in this teaching, we've brought that up a couple times in, over the past several weeks, that if I'm not treating my wife right, if that hinders my prayers, that means it hinders the, 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 the authenticity, the, 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 the realness of my worship. My worship's not what I think it is, because prayer is a part of my worship. And it hinders my access to, not, um, to the Lord and Him hearing me. Him acknowledging me, him, but and, and here's here's why. It, it's it's simple and it, it's very easily explainable. If I'm not treating my wife right, that means I really don't care about myself. Because my wife and I, in God's eyes, have become one. So if I'm treating her bad, I'm if I'm treating myself bad, and that's the way God sees it. If I'm treating her bad, that means I'm treating myself bad. So why would I go to the, my father to ask for help for me if I don't care about me? Do you see the reality of that? It's, it's always kindergarten simple. You know, I'm slapping my wife around. I'm, I'm treating her like a dog. I'm verbally abusing her. I'm just treating her like the men at work treat their wife, bless God. <laughs> Instead of biblically loving with action my wife, and I'm treating her horrible. And, and then I'm praying too. Oh, Then I go to church and I pray and I look all holy. You know what? God says, you're not, you're not reaching me. You're not reaching me. 
You don't, if you don't care about your wife enough to love her the way I've told you to love her, that means you don't care about yourself. And so why are you wasting your time praying to me? See how simple that is? Until you get that fixed, your prayers are being hindered. Because the real problem is you're being tossed around like a wave on a sea, wishy-washy, unstable in all your ways. And God says through the man James in his writing that you can't expect to receive anything of the Lord. Do you see how simple it is? It's very simple if we'll just study it. We'll, it'll be there for you. He says, then for me, that utterance, that don't mean, uh, don't mean uh, just thoughts and a prayer. Now he's talking about pray for me that I might be able to speak that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. How many of you know every time you get an opportunity to share the gospel, there's always that moment that you have to break through? Once you break through it, it's there, boy. The Holy Ghost will carry you through. But there's that moment of fear that you have to break through. When you're out on the street trying to minister and somebody comes up, there's that moment where... It's just, for me, it's like a second or two, and the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's me. Go ahead. <laughs> and you break through that, and boom, man, it's like, I can't believe I got held up for any time. Man, this is awesome. Because until you start telling people about Jesus, you don't know what you're missing, man. Whatever you can name on this planet that's your best, most favorite highlight, you, as a child of God, until when you tell somebody about the Lord and you're you're teaching them the word of God in truth and you're sharing Jesus with somebody, there ain't nothing like that. There's nothing like that on the planet. But there's always going to be a great hindrance for that because the devil don't want you telling anybody about what you've got and how you got it. Because how you got it is what defeated him. And when somebody gets saved, he loses another person out of his kingdom of darkness. And there is a great thrust by him to keep your mouth shut. Mm. You need to know that. Robin and I, you know, over 12 years ago, were praying when we finally realized, uh, or we thought we were right on the edge of realizing that we need to start a church. But there's always that, mm, it's not sure. It's a big thing, you know. We've already been burnt. We've already been in a nut house and uh, down there, uh, down the road. And we've already been hurt, and you know, and we've already, we were apart. We were nuts in the nut house. And, uh, you know, so it's easy to be deceived. And, 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 but I was pretty sure it was time to start a church now that we were hearing the message of the cross. And it wasn't going to be like the past. I was hoping. And uh, this woman called Robin while I was at work one day. And she said, uh, you know, I really, and we, it was a woman we honored and listened to. She said, I really don't feel like you should start no church. And the reason she gave was, the reason being because this family and this family, and she named them, are going to be the families that you have. And she didn't know she was doing it, but she spoke from a prideful position, a lofty, you know, like the only people you're going to have is them. And man, when Robin told me that, that confirmed it with me because the Lord spoke to my heart and said, those are who I'm after. The ones everybody else has thrown out. Now, I mean, they're not worthy to be in a... Ch Come on. And that was it. I was sold right then. So you know, we just got to be careful, you know, who we're hearing and, and we're praying for everybody, not just the preacher. And Paul wanted a boldness. And let me say something about that while we still got some time this morning. Let me say something about this some more, that when you start 
You want to be a witness. You want to talk about the Lord. That resistance you're feeling, don't let the devil tell you or your flesh try to lie to you and tell you that's just not who you are. Believe me, if you're a child of God, that is who you are. But there is a resistance against the gospel, a major resistance to, to live the gospel. I remember uh, how much boldness it took for me to wear my first Christian t-shirt. I'm talking about, you know, you're saved, but the world is so against Christianity on television. Everywhere you go, everything's against Christianity. You start talking about the Lord, and you're, you're, you're weird. You start talking about Scripture on the job, you're weird. You know, and I remember what a bold statement it was just for me to wear a Christian t-shirt. For me, I'm talking about. It was like a breakthrough for me. I remember having my Bible at work, and I was so on fire, man, wanted to learn. I just, I just couldn't get enough. And at the very beginning, I'd, I'd have it before me at break, and I'd see somebody coming out of the corner of my eye, and, and I'd push my Bible away fr from me. Let me tell you something. When you get saved, all the boldness you'll ever need is available, but you're not operating in it. And but believe me, unless you let that stuff control you and, and dim that fire down in you, if you won't do that, if you'll just keep that fire and that hunger before long, you'll see somebody coming out of the corner of your eye and you'll say, Hey, come here, I want to show you something. And we grow, and that's what Paul is saying here. Pray that I might have boldness to utter this. What? Utter what? Boldly utter and make known the mystery of the gospel. You see, and I know most of you know this who are watching Brother Curtis, but James and John and Peter and Andrew and the disciples, they didn't have the revelation of the cross. And the Lord didn't give it to them. He gave it to Paul. He gave it to Paul. And Paul, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I'm sure some of you have. Paul wrote the majority, a lot of the New Testament. God gave Paul how the church should operate. Not one of the 12 that walked with Jesus. God gave Paul most of the knowledge of how deacons and elders and pastors and tithing and, and, how, and, and how the gifts of the Spirit and the church. He gave all that through Paul, a man that had at one time jailed and persecuted Christians. And that's how God operates. He, he, he finds those that are broken and he finds those that he can reveal Jesus to. And he uses those, and he used Paul in a great way. And so Paul's greatest desire here, notice this, he's, he's writing this letter to this church and to all of us, and, and, and he's saying to you and me, you know, not, we're not praying for Paul anymore now because Paul's gone, but we're praying for all ministers of the gospel that they would have a boldness and utterance and a boldness to, to, to make known the mystery of the gospel. It was a mystery. Until God gave, until the Lord gave Paul the understanding of what really happened at Calvary, nobody, no men knew it. Not one man knew that. The, the twelve, they just went on back to fishing, home and family living. Because they didn't really understand. Who did understand what happened at Calvary was the devil. Colossians chapter 2 says Jesus made an open show of them, triumphing over them in his cross. The devil was stripped of his power over death he had. Hebrews 2.14 Through the death of Jesus, 
The devil who had the power of death was stripped of that power through the death of Jesus, not the resurrection. When Jesus died, an obedient man lived an entire life without sin and gave his life for our sin. The devil lost his power. The devil had held the entire race of humanity in bondage, in darkness, in sin, and had the right to do it because we gave him that authority in the Garden of Eden. But when Jesus Christ gave his life... He is the reconciliation to God. We've been reconciled through the blood, the Bible teaches. And that was a mystery until God gave that to Paul. I mean, they watched Jesus be crucified, but Peter went back to fishing. The other ones, uh, some of them went fishing with him, and they went back to home and family living. But when Paul showed up with this revelation of the cross, thank God for the Spirit of God. Because even the disciples, and when they were first like cautious about this Paul guy, you know, he has been jailing and, and persecuting Christians. And we've got to keep an eye on him. But man, the Bible says as soon as Paul was saved, he began to preach Jesus immediately. And so Paul is here praying even from prison while he's writing this letter that that. Because this letter really is a prayer. It's not only commands and from the Lord how to live, but here he's asking for prayer. Don't forget to pray for me that I might find the utterance to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You're going to have to find that Holy Spirit boldness to be able to be a witness. You're going to, here, here's, here's what you need to always remember about sharing this mystery. And it, it, the message of the cross for salvation is not a mystery to the church, but it is a huge mystery to the church for sanctified living. They don't know that. Preachers don't know that. And when you try to tell them, 99% of preachers, they won't even accept it. But, but it is, it, it shouldn't be a mystery because it's been revealed now through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. And, and when you try to share it, there's always going to be a friction there within your own heart. Much less when it comes out, people are going to be there coming, you know, ah, you know, that's you, that's what you want to believe, that's good for you, and all these things, and some will really get up in your face about it. But before that ever happens, you've got to break through that, what's going on in you. There's a wall, our flesh don't want to share the gospel. <clears throat> the devil don't want us to share the gospel. Okay, you already got two things going on against you right there. <clears throat> But both of those things were defeated at Calvary, the devil and the lust of your flesh. But we need this boldness to speak the gospel. And I, I'm thankful when I see other ministers stand in the pulpit that the Holy Spirit has been able to bring back to the place of true faith and grace where they do preach the cross. They open the Word of God and they won't point to anything but Calvary because everything else is uh, everything else that's preached is because there's a lack of boldness to preach the truth. You got to get away from the desire for a, a, a good living by, by a salary that can't be at the forefront of your mind preaching the mystery of the gospel has got to be at the forefront of your mind. Having the biggest church in town, you got to let that go. Having relationships for years that, that you have exalted too high, so high that you can't preach the gospel, the message of the cross, like you should be preaching it, is out of order. And there's a and, and you know what's lacking there? Boldness. We lack boldness to, to preach the gospel, but we're not. If we were bold enough to preach the gospel, it would bring the right relationships in, in our lives and it would get rid of those that are hindering us. 
And I need to say something about that this morning while we still got about six minutes. Relationships hold most of the church in bondage today. Mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, children, all sorts of kindred. They hold us in bondage. They, they hold us in churches. People in pastor positions who are not pastors, but now their whole family is bound to be in that place because they just don't want to break their family's heart. Or a preacher's been in ministry for years and, 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 and God is showing them the truth of the cross, the truth of God's Word, and He's been showing it to them for now for a long time. But every time they think the devil reminds them and their flesh agrees with it, well, you, man, if you start preaching that, you're going to lose yes, you're right. this relationship you've had for 20 years, 40 years. I want you to know the same Spirit of God dwells in you that dwelt in Paul, and Paul had to give up who he could have been. And he had to follow the Spirit of God and go with what God says, I want you to be and I want you to do. And when you go the way of the cross, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. But Jesus said that if you lose family, friends, anything in this life for the sake of the gospel, that in this life now you will receive a hundredfold back for, for that. Not only this life, but the life to come. You know what that means? You know what Jesus was teaching? That if your mother cuts you off, your, your, your husband, wife cuts you off, wants a divorce, don't want anything to do with you anymore because of this cross, this bloody Jesus cross stuff, and I just don't want no part of it, that means that God is going to replace that person a hundredfold in your life. If it's your mama, he's going to give you mamas in Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Jesus said when he was teaching one day and the people approached him way out there on the outskirts and said, could you pass it on in there? I, I, I'm Jesus' mother and I want to see him. And, and finally word got to him and they said, hey, Jesus, your mama and your brothers are out here. And he didn't say, oh, make away, let them in. He said, no, who are my mother and my brothers? Who, who is my family? He says, those that do the will of God. That is, that's encouraging to me because, listen, we're so wrapped up and we ought to love our families. We are supposed to love our families. The Bible teaches if we don't, then we're worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. But we got to go on with Jesus no matter who comes. Jesus said, if you put your family before me, you can't be my disciple. Amen. So I know what the request for boldness is we got people in our families that, that that just won't go this way we're going they just they just they won't do it and and it grieves our hearts but you know what that's when i need this boldness to take another step in this race that even though they're not coming i got to keep going i got to keep going i got to keep going and that's what paul's asking for he says i've got to have this utterance to be able to open my mouth boldly because it takes boldness to share this with people who you got a pretty good idea ain't going to like it anyway. So it takes a boldness, but not, not, not a meanness. A lot of people won't even share Christ until you back them up against the wall and just push them and, and, just, and just make you downright mad. Then I'll tell you I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. No, no, that ain't boldness. Boldness, is, boldness operates by love. 
A, just a, not scared. I'm going to tell you about Jesus because he's the one you need. I'm going to tell you about the way of the cross because without that, you're not, you're not going to live for God. You won't ever know how to live for God unless you learn how to keep your faith in the cross. It's an impossibility. It takes boldness to say that because people are going to say, you know what, Freddie, you just think you're the only one that know. You, that church down there, you ain't nothing but a bunch of swaggered eyes. You think you know. You, you're the only one that knows what's right. You ain't preaching the gospel. You're just up there telling everybody what's wrong with everybody. Yeah. So you know they're going to say those things. So it takes a boldness to keep going. It takes a boldness to keep believing this even though your mama ain't coming, your brother ain't coming, you, you, sometimes your wife or your husband not coming, but you're going to keep on following Jesus. When Jesus walked by, the fishermen said, come on, follow me. They said, bye, Dad, got to go. They didn't say, hey, Dad, what do you think? But they dropped their nets and went with Jesus. That that's, that's, wasn't just for them, that's us. When Jesus comes by, and that means when the message of the cross comes to your house, that's Jesus passing by. And we got to drop our, I don't care, Mama, you ain't coming, but I'm going. Daddy, you can come too, but I ain't staying here no more. Amen. It takes this boldness. To make known the mystery of the gospel, not my preacher, not my church, the mystery of the gospel. Amen. For which I'm an ambassador, verse 20, in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There's that word again. Without boldness, you're not going to do it. And let me say it while I'm closing this morning. Boldness only comes through faith in the cross. The people who have their faith in the words they speak, their fasting, their pr everything they do, their faith is in that. And because they do that, they think God's going to do, uh, give them this boldness now. No, boldness, Hebrews teaches, comes through faith in the blood. So it's not boldness they have. Really, it's an obnoxious, obnoxious spirit. Think about that. If your faith is not in the cross of Christ alone, you're not being empowered by the Holy Spirit with that boldness. That's some kind of something religious spirit you have. Mm. Well, we've run out of time. Y'all did it again. Thanks for tuning in today. Be here next week, and don't just like the service. Share the service. That's you. Letting that boldness rise up in you. Share this with your co-workers, your friends, your family. Let them hear the teaching of the Word of God in truth. In His name's Jesus. See you next week. Amen. Amen. And somebody said hallelujah. <laughs>